Hello, my name is Vance Neen, and welcome to another episode of The PS Plus, a Living Faith Bible Institute podcast that serves as a companion to another called The Postscript. Now, on that podcast, pastor and host Brandon Briscoe each week will speak with other pastors from the Living Faith Bible Institute on a wide array of topics. Here on this podcast, The PS Plus, we'll take a look at some of those topics and we'll dive in just a bit deeper. On today's episode, we'll be defining some important terms as relates to manuscript evidence in the King James Bible conversation we've been having at large. So, let's do this thing. So we're not going to spend a bunch of time reviewing our last episode because the last episode was nothing but review. However, we did end the last episode with a semi-quote paraphrase from Pastor Alan Shelby of Harvest Baptist Church and also the Manuscript Evidence Professor here at LFBI, and I think that this not-quote is worth rereading it again. For 270 years, the King James Bible is the only available English translation. Therefore, the KJV is either God's words in English, or we've never had them, and we never will. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about manuscripts. Now, this is going to be somewhat of a data dump, meaning we're going to get a lot of definitions um, and a lot of the information that we'll be actually looking at will help us, will aid us in future episodes. So so hopefully today's episode will help us get on the same page and, and maybe even demystify some technical terms that you may have heard before. As it relates to manuscripts, which we will define shortly, there are manuscripts that comprise the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we're going to be talking a lot about the New Testament because New Testament manuscripts are a hotly debated topic, whereas Old Testament manuscripts, not nearly as much. But let's get into defining some terms, and let's talk about manuscripts. A manuscript is a book or document that has been handwritten rather than printed or typed. And so a manuscript can be as ancient as scripture or as recent as the notes that you took at your pastor's sermon last Sunday. Now, there are several types of manuscripts that you'll see throughout history, several different Uh, substrates or surfaces that manuscripts have been written upon, and we're going to talk about a lot of those today, but I also want to make sure that we define something else that's connected, and that is an autograph. So within the context of scripture, an autograph is the original writing in the author or scribe's own handwriting. So for example, the book of 2 John is a letter from the author John that was sent to the elect lady and her children. So what John writes and sends and the elect lady receives is the autograph. It is the original manuscript. Now, we know that scripture propagated in the first century via copies. People would look at these letters, they were copied, and that's how scripture continued to spread. So anyone who would have copied John's letter to the elect lady was not producing an autograph of 2 John. They were not producing an original manuscript. Rather, they were copying the autograph. Their copy is a manuscript, but their copy is not the autograph. Something that's tangentially related, but we've been talking about a lot, it's very important, so I want to make sure that we mention it here, which is that while the author can be the creator of an autograph, this is not always the case. And we've seen this before, particularly when we talked briefly about Jeremiah 36, and and this will serve as a prime example for us. 
Now, in this passage, we find God speaking to Jeremiah and giving him words or scripture to capture on a roll. However, Jeremiah himself doesn't actually produce the autograph. Let's read verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations, from the day I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. So in this example, God gives Jeremiah words to speak, and this is a process that we would call inspiration. And those words are then written by a scribe, not by Jeremiah himself, but by a scribe, Baruch, in a process we would call inscripturation. Jeremiah is the author of the scroll, but did not produce the autograph. And yet, we know that the words that ended up in the autograph were inspired by God. And this is because inspiration is not based on writing, but speaking. I'll refer you again to a passage that we've looked at before, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, where it says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. And we'll pause right here for a second. If we were to continue reading past this verse, we would see later on that the prophecy is defined as scripture itself. If, if, you, if you don't believe me, go check it out. That's now your homework. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, the reason that we mention this is because textual criticism is very much concerned with the autographs, very much concerned with the original manuscripts. And we saw this evidence in some of the statements by textual critics, as well as some statements of faith of churches where they were looking for and concerned with the authority of Scripture as it relates to the original manuscript. But what we want to remember, and I think what we can thank God for, is that even if we had the autograph, if we had the original manuscript, inspiration came by God speaking. And so God is able to providentially preserve his word because he hasn't limited it to just one manuscript that was produced one time and has since disappeared from the face of the earth. Now, as it relates to manuscripts, it's also important that we talk about the materials that biblical manuscripts were actually physically made out of. And what we're going to see is that some of the actual materials will change, some of the way in which the materials are used will change. That just depends on technology that humans have access to and the way in which they're cataloging and recording information. So, for example, papyri or papyrus are manuscripts that are made from the papyrus plant, a reed that grows in marshy areas around the Nile River. Papyrus was used as a writing material as early as 3000 BC, so like a while ago, right? And continued to be used to some extent until around 1100 AD. So papyri has been used for a long time in human history as a substrate on which to capture words. Vellum, or 
parchment is made from calfskin that is cleaned, stripped of any hairs, and then stretched over a frame to dry. And this was more durable than papyri, and so it lasted a lot longer. Now, as far as manuscripts go, we also see that they were actually written in different ways. For example, majuscules or unicles are manuscripts written in capital letters with no spacing and used from the 4th century till about the 8th centuries. We also find things called minuscules or cursives, and these are manuscripts written in all lowercase letters with spaces and used during the 9th and 10th centuries. Another thing that you'll commonly hear is something called a lectionary, which was essentially kind of like a a scripture lesson arranged for congregational readings. Now, it's important to note that these in and of themselves are not exclusively scripture, but they do contain scripture. Now, a question that you might be asking is, Van, why is it that you're mentioning all this to us? And I am going to tell you right now, and that is because... These are different types of manuscripts that are currently extant or still in existence. And the number of extant Greek manuscripts still in existence is actually pretty significant, 5,800. So that means that collectively, out of all these different things that we've just listed off, there are 5,800 manuscripts, over 5,800 at this point, currently in existence of the Greek New Testament. Now, manuscripts are interesting things because this does not mean that there are 5,800 Bibles that were written in Greek that suddenly exist. A manuscript can be as much as an entire book and as small as the equivalent of a scrap of paper. But again, the thing to call your attention to is the number. 5,800 is not an insignificant number. Out of those various manuscript types that we just referenced. There are over 130 papyri still in existence, over 300 unicles, almost 3,000 minuscules, over 2,500 lectionaries. So there's a lot of these manuscripts that are still in existence. Now, when you compare that to other ancient manuscripts, it's not even close. The works of the Greek philosopher Plato, for example, they're around 200 manuscripts still in existence. The Roman historian Tacitus, he's got about 50 manuscripts still in existence. These are not insignificant individuals, and yet there's an incredible amount of Greek New Testament manuscripts that still exist. And again, just to make sure that we're on the same page, the reason why we're talking about this is that one of the reasons in which Bible translations differ, among lots of reasons, one of them is the underlying manuscripts that make up that translation. Literally, the scraps of paper or the full books that make up our Greek New Testament, they can differ. And as it relates to this topic on the KJV, the various what we call text types, the type of the text that underlays the translation, is a very important topic that we are going to talk about next time. So as always, guys, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the PS Plus. If you have questions about the Living Faith Bible Institute, I'd encourage you to go to lfbi.org. I hope this episode was helpful for you, and I also hope to talk to you next time. Take care. Take care.